And welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy, where we are previewing the second All Blacks test in 2021, that being this weekend against the Fijians down in Dunedin. But what I'll do quickly, because I haven't had my guest Adam Julian on in a while, I'll just get his thoughts on the All Black squad that was picked and what he thought about the game, the 102-0 thrashing of Tonga last Saturday. Mate, um, first off, how you been? And yeah, if you can just follow up my two questions. It's uh, good to be back, uh, Jordan. There's no real surprise in the All Black squad. 36 named this year. There were 35 named last year. And then they took a cohort of a dozen to Australia for those matches in the rugby championship. I'm always fascinated when an All Black squad is named by the new personalities in the team. The established personalities become household names very quickly because of widespread media social media and our all-consuming passion for the oval ball but it's the new caps that always excite me and there were four of them in this all-black team Ethan Blackadder the son of the Todd who played so well for the Crusaders throughout 2021 and indeed has been a part of the Tasman juggernaut that's won the last two NPCs an interesting coincidence involving Ethan and Todd Todd made his debut in 2000 for the All Blacks against Tonga, and the score was 102-0. And the other thing that happened in that test was Doug Howlett scored a try with his first touch of the ball after 40 seconds of the second half, and he went on to become the leading All Blacks try scorer in history with 49. The way Will Jordan's going, will he become the leading All Blacks try scorer in history? And, of course, he got five in that game on Saturday. So Ethan and Todd, a father-son, all black, which is unusual. There's only been 24 of them. So another addition to that club. And then there was that magnificent story of uh, Ethan De Groot, the prop from Otago. He's out of uh, Gore. Now, people don't associate Gore as a big rugby town anymore because it's only Gore High School that remains in the first 15 competition, but they've got extraordinary pedigree. And Gore, Justin Marshall and Jimmy Cowan are from Gore. Brian McKetney faced the underarm and kicked the infamous goal in the 78 Welsh Test. He's from Gore. William McCaw is from Gore. That's not a rap. That's a fact. William McCaw is a flanker from the 50s. He's a distant cousin of Richie, and he's the second oldest living All Black at present age 93. And Stu Wilson's also from Gore. So Ethan DeGroot joining that uh, Gore juggernaut of uh, fine rugby personalities and he'd only played two games for the Highlanders in 2020 he had a storming season this year he's a robust dirty prop who started at the local high school transferred to Southland and has had a lot to do with a guy called Peter Skelt now anyone listening to this podcast in Invercargill that knows their rugby will know about Peter Skelt he's been at Southland boys for the best part of three decades he was in their first 15 as well. He's coached Southland and a huge influence on Ethan DeGroote, yet another tough, robust Southern forward. And then Quinn Tupire from the opposite end of the first 15 spectrum. He was the Hamilton boys' first 15 captain in 2017. They lost to Hastings 
in the top four final. He was always expected to reach this status. He was instantly a success in the Waikato MPC team. He's flourished in the Chiefs, so little surprise to see Quintu Paya involved. Finlay Christie, on the other hand, though, now that's a good story. Finlay, remember, was with uh, Wellington and the Hurricanes briefly. Didn't work out for him here. He'd come down from St. Kennegan's College, where he was a reserve, ironically, to the Māori halfback, Sam Nock. He was approached by uh, Scotland, who expressed a lot of interest in his signature. He hung in for Tasman, won two MPC championships, was an integral part of the Blues, and now he's in the All Blacks with uh, TJ Perinara negotiating his contract. So a good story, Finlay Christie. Wow, a lot of information to... Um, well, I knew a little bit about Ethan. I was lucky enough to get him on the podcast earlier this year, and he's a, a great fellow with a great story. But yeah, the other three weren't really... Uh, well, Ethan DeGroote was sort of a surprise for me. I thought they'd maybe go for Alex Hodgman, considering he was an all-black last year, but I think they look at Ethan as a more worthwhile investment, being a couple of years younger in age. But then, yeah, Finlay Christie, I... I Pretty much thought it was going to be the third halfback, considering TJ Pedernada um, was not in contention. Uh, Ethan Blackadder had played remarkably well for the Crusaders throughout both competitions. And then, yeah, Kuntu Pai was a bit of an odd one for me. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was due to Anton Leonard Brown's surgery over, you know, or the, the revealing of his surgery over the last couple of weeks, considering he was first named in the Māori All Blacks. But yeah, he, albeit playing against Tonga, I thought he played well in his debut. You know, it's a big ask to just be thrust in there. But you know, he showed he's more than capable of performing at that level as long as the boys around him are doing their job. And yeah, I mean, we just mentioned off the air a little bit about the, the Tongan tests. And um, I even mentioned last week or earlier this week with my old man how sort of tough it was to watch. You know, you, you have to tip your hat to the Tongans for actually going out there in the first place and giving the All Blacks an opportunity to prepare for Tier 1 Nations later in the year. But I don't know about you, but is that, besides it being like a training run for the All Blacks, you know, is that really the sort of, thing you want to be seeing in international rugby? Absolutely not. It's a disaster to see Tonga, who were so powerful at various points in their history, lose by such a huge uh, scoreline. And it raises a lot of questions about how competitive the Pacifica Super Rugby team might be next year. Most of these players were locally sourced. Where are the players who consist of the Pacific Island team next year going to be sourced from? And if they're of this standard, then they're obviously a long way behind. The other difficulty for Tonga was the complete lack of preparation. They had no lead-up games. They've had very few trainings. And they were always going to be uh, defeated by a slick All Blacks juggernaut. And heavens above, if Aaron Smith was the halfback, though Brad Weber scored three tries and played well, the score might have even been larger. Oh, I, I thought Brad Weber was was really good uh and what was this i think this might have been only his second start for the all blacks one well, may have been his you know his his debut as a starter and very sort of perinari-esque with his running lines but i thought his i thought his delivery was chris same with finlay christie I, that was probably the the one thing i was looking out for the fact that aaron smith wasn't named because i actually thought the all blacks would name their strongest 15 to play their first test of the year but i'm guessing ian foster john plumtree and Co uh, looking to use his first three games as just like trials right up until they had to play the Australians in that first Bledisloe Cup test. But yeah, similar to you, I it was tough to watch that game, um, but the skill level was really, really high. And I thought the likes of someone like a Damian McKenzie, you know, really took his opportunity at 15. Again, 
albeit against like a Tongan sea team. Fingers crossed the Fijians um, put up a greater fight. Again, no disrespect to the Tongans, well, but you mentioned uh, Damien McKenzie. I must indulge on Gore again. Damien McKenzie's from Gore, and I do recall a time where I was working with this guy on the First 15 program where Southland played Gore in a televised match. And two of the funniest things I've ever seen in rugby happened in that. The Gore under-15s were on the sideline fundraising for a tour. Every single player in that team had a mullet, and that was a deliberate move to try and draw attention to themselves. And the other thing that happened is that uh, Jordan Stewart was the number eight for Southland boys, and he broke his nose in that game. And he went to the sideline to see his father, who put it back together, and he played the rest of the match. It was a very memorable afternoon. South of boys versus Gore High School all those years ago. Well, you just never know what you're going to get in the deep south. Um, great <laughs> little story there. But one of the other things I wanted to touch on, which has been brought up in the news, I guess, since the start of this week, is the eligibility rules surrounding the Pacifica teams and... I know there was a lot of talk about the call-up of Samasoni Tokiaho, the, the hooker from the Chiefs, coming into the All Black setup with the Safawa Moa suffering from concussion symptoms. And say he goes on and you know gets 10 minutes off the bench for the All Blacks and one of these two Fijian tests coming up, and then he's discarded back to the, um, the provincial competition. And I mean, who knows? I mean, you have to look at Dane Coles and Cody Taylor. You know, they're not getting any younger, so... Maybe Tokiaho is the second string hunger, you know, second second string hooker after the next World Cup. But is there something that's needing to be done around the eligibility rules? You, know, you only have to look at someone like a Charles Pietau who hasn't played in New Zealand since what was it, 2015, that you know, he should be, you know, like he'd love to play for Tonga now, but because he played those handful of tests for the All Blacks he's not going to get that opportunity up until those rules are changed. Or, you know, you get someone like a Frank Halai who only played one test for the All Blacks. You know, some of the guys, you know, that got very little game time or very little test for the All Blacks, but, you know, just wanted to be an All Black because, you know, growing up in New Zealand or even some of the island boys who come over from the islands, they know how big a deal it is to be an All Black. But, you know, I think if we're wanting to re-strengthen the Pacifica teams, maybe there needs to be a change there. What do you think? The eligibility rules are complete nonsense. I can sit here on my telephone right now and apply for an accounting job in Qatar. I could work at it for 10 minutes, not enjoy it, come home, and they're telling me I can't be an accountant in New Zealand. Uh, rugby is a career path, and although there are patriotic elements to rugby that might uh, offend people, if there are players hopping from country to country, shouldn't the rugby eligibility rules be the same as any professional eligibility rules within a country. It should be rules pertained on working permit basis, citizens basis. Why is it that a guy like Takiaho could play 10 minutes, be discarded, wait a decade, try and play for his own country of birth and be deprived of that opportunity? It's absolutely ludicrous. And if you look at rugby league and the Tongan fairy tale at the World Cup, those guys had played State of Origin. Those guys had played for Australia. And then they went and played for Rotonga. And it was wonderful. Yeah, I'm of a similar mindset. I think that when you get those guys who... I'm not sure what, how you do it in terms of like capping how many tests a guy um, is allowed to play for, a, you know, for another Tier 1 nation or whether or not there's a stand-down period you know, between your last test for another t um, Tier 1 nation. But I think there is some sort of change needing to be 
um, brought about uh, in order to, like I said before, re-strengthen the game and, yeah, potentially, you know, maybe that's taken a leaf out of rugby league's book. Well, the rules are actually tighter than what they previously were. Dylan Meeker, that great uh, All Black from Auckland who tragically died a couple of years ago, he played for Tonga and then Auckland, served a three-year stand-down period and was good enough to make the All Blacks. Uh, Frank Bunce and Michael Jones represented both countries, granted the Samoans first before New Zealand. Uh, the power really yields with uh, New Zealand, Australia, France and England to change these rules, but why would they when they are the ones benefiting from it? It needs to be a world rugby stand to loosen up the eligibility criteria because, frankly, it's a restraint of trade. Yeah, 100%. And I only have to remember back to, I think it was a tweet that Artie Sevier put out and he talked about how coaches, for example, they go off and coach multiple countries and they're not held to the same restrictions as players. So... Yeah, I'm, I, I don't. I don't have the answer. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have all the answers because I mean I've done a little bit of homework on it, but not enough to, you know, stand up in a court of law, so to speak. But yeah, why don't we move on to more my last point and maybe a, a more positive note to end the show on? You know, given what you saw against the Tongans, uh, what sort of changes would, would you like to see ahead of this week's test against the Fijians? Well, it'd be wonderful if young uh, Ethan De Groot was uh, given a test start in Dunedin. That's where he's from. And he deserves that chance if they've uh, picked him. It'd be nice to see the young players who they have obviously decided that they're going to invest in, uh, given the opportunity to test themselves against an opposition where perhaps the pressure is not going to be as great. And I, I think the other thing you want to see continue, uh, Jordan, is that uh, ruthlessness that the All Blacks uh, showcased. Yes, Tonga were a weak side, but 102 is an impressive score. And that's the standard that the All Blacks want to be aspiring to in every game they play. For me, I think, you know, the changes that I think are going to happen, I think they're going to give Bodie a run at 10, whether that's this week or next week. Geordie Barrett will be given an opportunity to play in the 15 jersey. Um, and he'll have to play bloody well, considering how well Damian McKenzie played last weekend. And then, yeah, maybe just a change in the loose forward trio, give Hossin Satutu a start. Hopefully David Havili has come or come right after his knock last week to get that 12 jersey. But, yeah, I think if they're going to use the next two games as trial matches, so to speak, I think they need to run as many combinations as possible. Because from what I read, Ian Foster said he's not going to field his, in his mind, his strongest 15 up until that Bettersloe Cup test. So I have no idea what that looks like. And I'm not sure if he has a has a concrete team as of yet. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this week's test unfolds. And yeah, hopefully, you know, although I like to see the All Blacks be ruthless, um, hopefully it's not another 100-point thrashing. But thank you very much for your time on a Wednesday night, bro. Um, I'll have to catch up with you on Sunday or Monday, depending on what your schedule looks like, to recap um, hopefully a closer test. And yeah. Let's see what uh, happens. No, I hope the uh, Fijians uh, compete. And you're right about uh, Barrett. It will be uh, very interesting to see how he plays at uh, first five. And I'd like to see uh, Barrett in combination with uh, Weber and Christie because their new halfbacks completely foreign to him. I mean, if Barrett plays with uh, Smith, then that's kind of an armchair ride for Barrett. Whereas if he's challenged by two new halfbacks, it gives us a different 
optic to look at uh, Barrett through. Can I leave you with one more uh, story, uh, Jordan? I always come prepared with a couple of stories for this uh, program. And you were talking about Fiji rugby. Well, uh, this week I decided to look through the rugby almanac and to uh, Fiji and rugby. And in 1975, Fiji toured and they played the Māori All Blacks. And the Māori All Blacks won by 39 to 24. And the Fiji number eight that day was a guy called Milikasia Moti Lutu. And he scored three tries, threw the ball to the line out, was named one of the five players of the year by the 1975 Rugby Almanac. And I went and revisited a story I wrote with Waka Nathan, who was the coach of the Māori All Blacks at that time. And he said, the only reason we won the game is because the manager came to the dressing shed before the kickoff at Athletic Park, offering them a bottle of whiskey. So they took the wind. You're remarkable with some of the stories that you've accumulated over the years, Adam. And I look forward to Sunday or Monday story um, to close out our recap podcast, my friend. But yeah, again, grateful for your time, mate, and enjoy the rest of your week. Take it easy.